You know where he was? He's gone all day. It was 7, 8, 7 o'clock at night, 7, 30 o'clock. We was normally done bus visitation by 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Started at 10. <clears throat> he comes dragging in at 8 o'clock at night. He had 100 people signed up to ride his bus. The next day, he actually had 74. Bus route averaged about 30, 35 back in those days. You remember them days? And it was a blessing. And I'll tell you that to say this. because I'm preaching a message tonight on the subject of being a committed disciple. Being a committed disciple. 2019, we have very few people committed, period. Not just to the things of the Lord, but period. You know, I've, I've worked jobs, been supervisor of a job or two, and, and people aren't committed. I mean, I went one time, and I'm not bragging on myself. God knows I'm not bragging on myself. But I've gone times where I missed go two or three years and not miss a day's work. Never called in sick, had amount of time yet. We have more some people miss more work in a month's time. I'm missing five years' time. I've never missed a Sunday at our church because of sickness in 19, almost 20 years now. But I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal. The point I'm trying to make here is, is that there's very few people that's truly committed to the Lord's work today. And some we have the idea nowadays, especially nowadays, that the, the Lord's work at the church is only the pastor's job. But that's just not true. If you're saved today, every single person that is saved is called in the ministry. Amen. If your job is nothing more than someplace doing something, serving God in the church, Amen. in some fashion, everybody, everybody's called to be a witness. Amen. Everybody's called to be a witness. All of us are called unto the Lord. And so in this passage of Scripture that we're fixing to read, we have three men who come to Jesus and they want to have a job they want to follow him. They want to be his disciple. And immediately, as soon as uh, he, they, they, uh, he says, follow me, they immediately say, uh, but I can't. They come up with a reason, something that was holding them back. So uh, I, I never forget in 1981, I raised my right hand and joined the United States Army. March 1981, went off to basic training in June. And I could not believe what they expected out of me. <laughs> Anybody else in here, a military veteran? I could not believe. It. I mean, first, first day, they wake us up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Then they want us ready to do PT at 4.15, 15 minutes later. And we worked all day long, didn't get to bed till 9 o'clock every single night for the first two months. I thought, these people must be crazy. They want total commitment. Isn't that what it took was total, total commitment. <coughs> when I was in Saudi Arabia in Desert Storm 1990, 91, uh, we was, when we finally got settled in our last fire base, we worked 12 hour shifts. We 12 hours, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And then the other shift, work night shift, they did the same thing. And when you wasn't on duty, you was on guard duty. Or you was on CQ duty. Are you a sergeant of the guard? And, and I, crazy people wanted this cotton-picking uh, cotton total commitment. It was the strangest thing I ever saw. <laughs> Could you imagine being a professional athlete? What kind of total commitment do they have to have? How come, how, how come it seems odd to us when the preacher gets up and starts talking about total and complete commitment to the Lord's work, we go like, Come on now. Don't go overboard. But my, my little boy, he's in second grade, seven years old. We was going to put him in peewee football. It's full contact tackle football. We was going to put him in it. 
full pads and everything. And they said, okay, for the month of September, we practice Monday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night. Three, three nights a week, and then, once, and then once October comes, we have a game every single Saturday, and we still practice Monday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night for a seven-year-old. That's a lot of commitment. Y'all with me? But when the preacher gets up and says, man, you ought to come to church Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, people go, what's wrong with him? Come on now, you got to be kidding me. Three times a week? I remember one time my wife and I first got right with God and got in church, and we was at a family dinner on a Sunday afternoon. We got out of church at noon. We went to this family dinner, and we were sitting around talking to everybody, and it got to be about 5 o'clock, 5.15, 5.20, and we got ready to go. And see, her brothers, I grew up with them, so we, and, and, and I said that my son never rebelled as a teenager. I wish I could say the same thing about myself. That's not true. But the point is, when we got ready to leave, my brother-in-law said, where y'all going? So we're going back to church. Well, y'all went to church this morning. I said, yeah, we're going back to church tonight. And my, my, one of my brother-in-laws looked at the other one and said, well, as bad as they were, they probably need to go twice on Sunday. <laughs> hey, man. Lack of commitment. So let's, we're going to talk here in just a moment. We're going to read this, read this passage of Scripture. But I want to make sure we understand something that I'm not talking about, and neither is Jesus talking about salvation here. He's not talking about salvation. He's not just talking to pastors. He's not just talking to missionaries. He's not just talking to pastors' wives. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to men who want to follow after Christ. To be a disciple is to be someone who learns from someone else. So won't you stand with me and let's read in Luke chapter number 9. <clears throat> I even had a joke I was going to tell, and I completely forgot to tell it. Now it's out of place, so we're not going to do that. So I might try and figure a way to work it into the sermon after bed. Y'all with me? <laughs> Look at me if you would in Luke chapter number 9. And let's begin reading in verse number 57. In verse number 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the, in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And he said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. Yes. But he said, Lord, suffer me first, that I go bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Amen. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But first, let me, let me go bid them farewell, which are at my home, at, my, at, or at, at home, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his yeah. hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. That's pretty tough scripture, isn't it? I had some preacher, not some, yeah, some preacher tell me not long ago that the only parts of the Bible we have to concern ourselves with obeying is the things that Jesus taught. 
I said, well, man, you better toughen up because Jesus is one of the hardest preachers there was in the whole Bible. You want to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7? That's called the Sermon on the Mount. That'll make most of these limp-wristed, lace-on underwear preachers today uh, run and hide. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's pray. Father, I ask you please to fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, anoint my thoughts. Anoint my words. Lord, help me not to say one single thing that you do not want said. But Lord, I pray that you help me to say everything that you want me to say. God, I pray for power and boldness. And thank you again for the privilege. Lord, help me not to ever abuse this sacred desk as I preach the Word of God this, this evening. Lord, thank you so much for the ones that are here. God, we love you. And I pray if there's one here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, they do not leave here this evening in that condition. Lord, I also pray if there's Christians here today that are that don't follow you very well. They're not committed to serve you in any fashion or very little, Lord. I pray that you would convict them. Amen. And tonight, they might make a commitment in their heart and in their life to follow you and be committed to follow after you and serve you. Lord, I ask you these things in your will. In Jesus' name, I pray. And amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Amen. <clears throat> the Bible says in our passage, and I actually underlined it in my Bible, in verse number 57, he says, I will follow. In verse number 59, he says, follow. Verse number 61, he says, follow. Let me just give you some real quick three thoughts by means of introduction here concerning this thing of following. This thing of following. If you're going to follow somebody, there's a couple thoughts that's really important. First of all, in order to follow somebody, you have to be going the same direction. Amen. <laughs> It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out, right? My wife and I and all of my siblings one time, we went to Worlds of Fun. That's in Kansas City. And we left our hometown in Osage City. We had four cars, and we followed each other. all. And you know what? We all got to the same place. You know why? Because we was following each other. And when the Lord wants us to follow Him, number one, we ought to be going in the same direction. Amen. Number two, if we're going to follow him, we ought to be going the same speed he's going. Because one time I was preaching a meeting, preaching down in Midland, Texas, and I did tell some Texas jokes out there, and that's why they didn't have me come back, I'm sure. <laughs> Anyways, I was preaching out in Midland, Texas, and we was following this couple from the church to a restaurant to eat, and we went across this, I hit the light red, and they went on across, and I didn't know where to go. I knew they crossed. That's it. You know, I was, I was as lost as a, as a goose in a hailstorm. I didn't know where I was going. And, and pretty soon I just kind of crept along, and then they, they pulled out in front of me. They pulled over and waited on me. But I had to have somebody to follow. So it was going the same direction. And not only if you're following somebody, you're going the same direction, you're also going pretty much the same speed. Right. So sometimes when we get, at, we get way behind the Lord. And sometimes we get ahead of the Lord. Yeah, we need to make sure we're going the same direction that He's going when we're following somebody. And so if we're following somebody, the third thing I want you to notice about following somebody is you're going the same direction, you're going the same speed, and that person is leading you. Yeah, they're leading you. Sometimes we get to lead in ourselves. But let me be quick here, and I want to hurry on into this message, and I'm not trying to drag this thing out. I'm not longer, I preach maybe longer at a revival meeting than I normally would. But I just want to make three comments. I want to look at all three of these applicants. 
All three of these men who has come to the Lord and say, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow you. I want to look at each one of them. Make a couple thoughts about each one of them. And then I want to challenge you this evening to be more committed to the work of the Lord. To be more faithful to church services. To be more faithful to your Bible reading. To be more faithful to pass out tracts. To be more faithful, be more committed to God's work. So let's just look at a few things. Let's look at the first applicant. The first applicant, the Bible says in our passage of Scripture here, in verse number 57, I want you to notice right there at the very, in the middle of it, he says, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever. The first thing I want you to notice about this first applicant is he was making a promise that he didn't keep. Have you ever made a promise to God that you didn't keep? Come down to an old-fashioned altar and get on your face before God. Maybe the Holy Spirit drew you down there. Tears are rolling and convicted and you run down there and promise God something. Then go back on it. Tell you, you and I, we ought to be, we ought to be promise keepers, real promise keepers. And real promise keepers keep our promises Amen. to the Lord. You say, preacher, you're trying to hold my feet to the fire. No, I'm saying that we ought to be promise keepers. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you over in the book of Exodus, chapter number 19. And this, and this Scripture is when Moses and the, and the children of Israel have crossed, uh, crossed over the, uh, <coughs> the Red Sea and, and they're at Mount Sinai and they're about ready to, Moses is about ready to go up into the mountain and to receive the Ten Commandments. And the children of Israel there, they say this to the Lord in verse number 8, And all the people answered together saying, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Then Moses goes up into a mountain and he receives the Ten Commandments and he comes down just a couple chapters later and they're having a rock party. They're dancing and worshiping after a false God. They're worshiping a a golden calf. And, And Moses, I mean it's just been a little bit. They say, we'll do whatever God wants us to do. Wait a minute, a little time passes and they're worshiping a, an idol. Yep. They made a promise yes. that they didn't keep and they didn't even really try to keep. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just challenging you today, make some promises and keep them. Amen. Oh, I know we're going to struggle. The Christian life, I realize it's one step forward and two steps back and two steps... I didn't know I could even dance like that. Look at me go here. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Two step forward and one step back. And I'm just telling you tonight, so many, that's the Christian life. And sometimes we get knocked back a step. We'll forget the promises we told God. We go to church camp every year and we see young people go to an altar and make promises to God and then go back on them. Sometimes before they even get home from camp. They go back on them. I've seen... People surrender their lives to the Lord and and go back on them. We have years ago when I first came to Fellowship Baptist Church there where I pastor, I have the honor and the privilege of being the pastor of a great church there. We have choir, we have song, we have Sunday school teachers and junior church workers and and we have, uh, you know, officers and all those kind of things. We have treasurer and secretary and we have trustees and all, all those kind of things. But we have a biblical, a biblical uh, standard based up, upon the Word of God for things that we ask those people that are holding those positions 
to commit to. If you're going to be in the choir, you're going to commit. This is the things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be faithful Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Wait a minute, brother. I, I, I can tell that I need a little convincing on that. <laughs> when I say, when I go like this, that means, amen. <laughs> and if I don't hear an amen, I just go, oh, wait a minute, they didn't get it. Let me check. Breaker 1-9. Breaker, breaker, breaker. Do y'all hear me? Hello, check, 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 check. All right, we got it. And so people will say, I'll be there, I'll do what I'm... And same thing with the Sunday school teacher. You're going to be here, and you're going to go visiting. I'm not going to give you all the standards. Y'all think I'm crazy, which I am a little. But anyways, I'm just saying that people make promises. And then sometimes... I'm not talking about people being sick. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being out of town. I don't mean in, in, in groves. <laughs> I'm not. I'm talking about, you know, you know, if you're within four hours, you ought to drive back. Somebody will say amen right there. Hey, <laughs> man, that's good preaching. Hey, <laughs> man. <laughs> but so many times the Bible says an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth yeah. you ever had a broken tooth you can't count on them it becomes a, and someone who makes promises hey preacher I promise you I promise you I'm going to be there I'm going to do everything that you need me to do we, we support our missionaries through a process called faith promise missions I know that different churches do it different ways, and I'm, there's nothing necessarily wrong with the way y'all do it, but that's how we do it. Our faith promise mission is what a person does is they commit to a certain amount of money above their tithe for missions. That's how we support faith promise missions. I mean support missions. So, and then we build a budget based upon that commitment. But sometimes folks fill out that faith promise card. We have our missions conference in February. They fill out that faith promise card, $10, $20, so I'll give this every week for 52 weeks. And then some of them don't even come back to church for three months, you know. <laughs> well, I'm just talking about promise breaking. Well, he says, whithersoever, I promise you I'll follow you wherever you go. But he didn't count on the next thing Jesus says to him. Verse 58, he says, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. He didn't count on the fact that, wait a minute, maybe I should have thought this through. Maybe I should have thought this through. This speaks of I will doing things in my own power. Can I, can, can I convince you tonight that the things I'm asking you to do, the commitment that God is asking from us, is not done in our own power. Amen. Something that we do in His power. Philippians 4.13 you know, through, his, through Him can I do it. I can do anything that He wants me to do through His power. That, that verse doesn't mean you can just do anything. It means that... <coughs> excuse me. The, <coughs> the things He wants you to do. And this scripture does not teach us that God doesn't want us to have anything. Right. Right. Oh, in order for me to serve God I got to sell my house and sell my car and 
And uh, no, that's not what this verse is teaching at all. Amen. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, how many of you know that story? He said, I've done all, I've obeyed all the commandments. Well, he says, well, go sell everything you have. He goes, the rich ruler, he was rich. He, that was the end of that conversation. Jesus didn't want him to go sell everything he had. He just wanted him to be willing to, if that's what God really Amen. wanted him to do. To be willing to. Are we willing to follow the Lord in any area that he wants us to? Hey, God may not, God, God's not necessarily going to call you to be a missionary to South Africa. But would you be willing to if he did? Would you be willing to if he did? I had a friend of mine, he went home to be with the Lord now. He told me every, every missions conference, he went to an altar and prayed. And Lord, if you want me to be a, me to be a missionary, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Let's be some promise keepers. The first applicant made a promise he didn't keep. The second applicant, let's read his. The Bible says in verse number 59, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said unto the Lord, Suffer me first, go and bury my father. Well, this next applicant, he had a serious problem with commitment and dedication. First of all, I want you to talk about, I want to talk about this following me. Following means to honor Christ and go wherever he says to go, as I've already brought that out. <clears throat> There's a song we sing at church camp every year, and it, and it goes, it's just a little simple little tune, but it goes like this. Uh, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do? Is there, what's that song we sing at invitation many times? All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. You know, it's a sad day. This is what I've noticed being in the same church now for almost 20 years. That parents are pretty faithful about raising their children in church until their children get about 6th or 7th grade. Then their children get involved with all kinds of activities. And pretty soon they're no longer coming to church. Because they've allowed something else to take the place. And they no longer have any devotions and Bible studies at home because they're too busy. I'm going to tell you, if we're too busy for the Lord, can I give you some information? We're too busy. Amen. We're too busy. I, my, my kids growing up, I wouldn't let them take a job that caused them to miss church. But I told them, I said, when you go to work, when you go to that job, you work your hardest and do your best. And the, the boss isn't going to have a problem with you being off on a Sunday. On, hey, it's, it's such hypocrisy of jobs. If you are a college student going to college at some, some local college around here and, and you go in there and you want to apply at the Sonic and say, I, got, I go to college and this is the hours I have class, that Sonic will work around your schedule. But if you go in there and tell them I'm a, I'm a youth pastor at a church and I have youth group on Wednesday and I have choir on Sunday night and I have church on, they'll say, well, we can't hire you. We can't, we can't make those kind of commitments. That's a, that, and that, that's a lie. It's just a lie. Amen. <coughs> but in this passage of uh, Scripture, uh, I want you to understand something. Jesus wasn't telling this man that he couldn't go bury his daddy. He wasn't telling his man, this man he couldn't go visit, he couldn't go bury his daddy. I'm going to tell you what he's telling this man. 
this man's daddy wasn't dead. Right. And this man's daddy wasn't even sick. What's actually happened here is this man is telling Jesus, I will follow you as soon as my dad dies. See, sometimes people won't serve the Lord because they're waiting. I got a buddy of mine. He won't serve. He, won't, he told me he, was, he wanted to pastor a church, felt like God wanted to pastor a church, but he wasn't going to do it until he retired. What? By the time you retire, who feels like pastoring a church, you know? <laughs> Get to be 65, 70 years old. Are y'all still with me? He's allowing anything and everything to keep him from serving the Lord. We do that. It's so easy to do that. And it's so easy to prioritize uh, the wrong way. And here's the thing. Here's something that that we do. Let's say that it's Sunday at 5 o'clock. Starting to get ready for church and some family members show up at your house. No, 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 not in 2019. We're going to stay home from church because the family came. But let's go, it's Monday night. And it's Monday night, you have a concert at the school. And 45 minutes before the concert comes, a family member shows up. Oh, I'm sorry. We're not going to be able to go to that concert tonight. We got family in town. Now, I got a Greek word for that. Baloney. <laughs> That's a double standard. Why would we do that? Well, my family wouldn't come to church with you. Well, then leave them at home. Amen. <laughs> wow, glory. Amen. Amen. I'll see you when I get back. We went to, my, my sister-in-law graduated college up in Iowa. We drove to Iowa from Arkansas. And anyways, a joke is coming into my mind. I, I've got to, t- I, I just got to tell, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> no, there's this old boy, he's in Alaska. And he says, hey, I need to, I need to make a phone call to God. And the guy says, well, there's a phone booth right over there. Go ahead. And he says, well, oh, first let me explain what a phone booth is. <laughs> well, he goes over to that phone booth, and there's a sign under it that says, call to God, $10,000. $10,000 to call God? And he, and, and he, he well, I'm just going to wait. That's, I don't have that kind of money. So he gets in the car, and he's driving, and he gets down into Washington, and he sees another phone booth. Call God. Opens the door, and it says $5,000. $5,000. I still, I don't got So he keeps driving a little bit farther and a little farther, and he gets into Kansas, and there's a phone booth that says $2,000. Oklahoma, and then he comes over into Arkansas, and he sees this phone booth that says, Call God, 25 cents. Well, he gets that pretty good, and he, and he gets that quarter out, and he makes his phone call. Then he asks the guy at the desk, he says, how come it's only a quarter to call God? He says, because it's not long distance. This is God's country. Somebody go on. Amen. 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 Oh, here's the bad thing. I forgot the reason I told the joke. Amen. 
Commitment. Sometimes family members keep us from serving God. I'll never forget this. My wife invited this lady to church when we was living up in Kansas. And she came and started coming real faithful. And she started coming on Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night she'd say, pray for my husband, he gets saved. Every Wednesday night, pray for my husband, he gets saved. Well, we had a big day just like y'all did Sunday. And, uh, and her husband come that big day. He sat back there on the left-hand side. And, well, he's under so much conviction. I mean, I knew the guy really well, and this is his testimony afterwards. He didn't walk the aisle that morning, but he came back that, that night. He was under so much conviction. Again, he walked out and got saved. But I'm going to tell you what happened to him. He, got, he really got saved. Amen. <laughs> he went home, and his whole life was different. Amen. He went to the cabinet and opened the sink and took the Jack Daniels and poured it down the sink, opened up the refrigerator and dumped out a a 12-pack of beer down the sink with the, with the, he, he took his Marlboros and threw them away. He started coming to church every single time the doors were open. And after about six weeks of this, he surrendered to preach. And he started doing Bible college. And his wife says, hey, I wanted my husband saved, but I didn't want this. his whole ministry he's pastored two churches now and he's had all kinds of problems in the ministry all kinds of problems with his wife and with his children and it's because his wife didn't want him in the ministry she wanted him to go to church with her but she, did, she didn't want him staying out all night Saturday nights and partying and getting drunk with the boys but she sure didn't want him being given his whole life to the Lord and that's what this is talking about. He says, I'm going to stay home with my daddy till he gets old and dies, and then I'll serve God. Then I'll serve God. So the first applicant, he made promises he didn't want to keep. The second applicant, <clears throat> he, he was allowed his family to keep him from serving God. To keep him from serving God. I'm going to tell you one of the best things that ever happened to my family is when we gave our lives to the Lord and started serving the Lord. The best thing. And then we come to the third applicant. We have the first applicant, another applicant, then an additional applicant. The Bible says in verse number 61, And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. There's that word again. A big old word, but. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. See, here we go, another man, he spoke with his mouth what he was wanted to do, but he did not mean it in his heart. He would make a decision, and too many times we make decisions with our mouth. Jesus isn't telling this man, he can't tell his family goodbye, but there's something he wants me, I want you to look at me in verse number, verse number 61. He says, and he said unto the Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first. You see, that's our problem. It's me first. It's me first. <laughs> it's me first. Me first. Me first. People won't get saved sometimes. You know why? Me first. People won't come Sunday nights. Me first. People don't want to read their Bibles every day. Well, there, there it is again. Every day. Somebody help me. 
We're going to be here till midnight. I'll give me an amen. amen. <laughs> Read that Bible every day. Hey, do you talk to somebody you love every day? Amen. Every day? I'm sitting in the office over there studying. Brother Trenton's in the next office, and his phone keeps going off and off. I think it's his wife calling him every five minutes. Somebody she loves, she hasn't left her first love. Y'all with me? <laughs> every day. Every day. <coughs> me first. Pray. Me first. How come we don't want to give up sin? Me first. How come we don't want to live holy? Me first. I'll never forget my preacher. Oh my goodness. I surrendered to preach and and he and uh, and I owned my own home and I owned my own my own business and and he said he he recommended that I did not go off to Bible college. He said you need to just stay home, do it, be do it by correspondence and uh, serve here in the church. And he made me his assistant pastor, and I took Bible college classes, and I was fine. That was great. It was awesome. Him and I met on Friday mornings, and we had Bible study together, and he was teaching me all kinds of things. And then January came around, and it was Super Bowl Sunday. I had never in my life missed a Super Bowl since I could remember. I mean, I even remember the Chiefs winning one. <laughs> oh, I got I got to refrain. I got another joke. Joke on the tip of my tongue. Anyways. And he got up on Sunday morning. And he said this. He said, this isn't a Super Bowl Sunday. He said, this is the Lord's Day. Amen. He said, if you think you have to watch it and record it, he told me straight up, I'm assistant pastor. You better not stay home and watch that Super Bowl game. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I can't even remember who. It didn't matter who was playing. It was the Super Bowl. Hey, you got it made today. You just DVR it, right? We used to record it on a VCR tape. And then we would go home and would, we'd have, actually would have a Super Bowl party afterwards. We'd go home and get the tape, close your eyes, walk up to the TV and push the button, pull the tape out, put the other one in, push record and run back out the door. She didn't want to see the score. Went over to everybody was. It's 8 o'clock or 7.30 at night after church and we'd plug in that Super Bowl game and watch the whole thing fast forward through the commercials and the wicked halftime show anyways. I thought, you want me to skip the Super Bowl game? Come on, preacher. It's only once a year. The Bible, I want to quote a verse for you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.2, it's required in a steward that a man be found faithful. Amen. Now let me, let me liken this relationship with our service to God Amen. with a relationship to your wife. Amen. What would, it, would it be okay, my wife and I have been married almost 36 years, would it be okay if I cheated on my wife once a year? Just one time a year? No. 
How come it's okay for us not to serve God one day a year? They got quiet again, didn't they? I hear crickets. <laughs> Are y'all still with me? How come we, can put, we cannot put that kind of a standard of commitment to the Lord? We can if we want to. Because this is what we do. We do what we want to. We really, I'm not talking about being sick. I'm, everybody's sick, but that, we still don't not serve God. We still pray and read our Bibles even on days Amen. of the Amen. I'm, I'm talking about plain old everyday excuses. Excuses. Plain old everyday excuses. <coughs> Can I tell you, one of the biggest problems, and I mentioned this, I mentioned this last night, is... Too many folks do not serve God. I'm going to sing a song for you. And we can record it. We can split the money on the contract, okay? <laughs> it goes like this. Excuses, excuses, we hear them every day. And the devil, he'll supply them. If the church, you stay away. Whoa. <laughs> When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them away from church, he offers them excuses. In the summer, it's too hot. and In the winter, it's too cold. In the springtime, when the weather's just right, you find someplace else to go. Well, it, well, it's up, let's see, I'm sorry. It's up in the mountains or down to the beach or just some old friend or just, or just stay home and kind of relax and hope some kinfolk start dropping in. When the church benches, well, they're too hard and the choir sings way too loud. Boy, you know how nervous you get when, you, when you're sitting in the great big crowd. The doctor told you now, you know, you better watch them crowds. they set you back. But you go that old ball game because you say it helps you to relax. <laughs> well, a headache on Sunday morning and a backache on Sunday night. But by the time work time on Monday morning, you're feeling quite all right. When one of the children has a cold or pneumonia, do you suppose? Well, the whole family had to stay home just to blow that poor kid's nose. Excuses, excuses. It's the strangest thing. The five-year-old is sick, and everybody in the household stays home for the five-year-old. But Monday morning, they still take the five-year-old to the babysitter, you know. <coughs> excuses, excuses. You hear them every day, and the devil, he'll supply them. If the church you stay away, when, when people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So keep them folks away from church. He offers them excuses. All right, here we go. Well, the preacher, he's too young, or maybe he's too old. The sermons, they're not hard enough, or maybe they're too bold. His voice is much too quiet, like sometimes he gets too loud. He needs to be more dignified, or, or else he's way too proud. <clears throat> well, the sermon's there too long, or maybe they're too short. He ought to preach a word with dignity instead of stomp and snort. <laughs> well, the preacher we've got, to, we, uh, we've got must be the world's most stuck-up man. Well, one lady told me the other day, he didn't even shake my hand. Excuses, excuses, he hear them every day, and the devil, he'll supply them. If the church, you stay away. 
when the people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. So to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. What you think about that? I saw something today, 21 reasons, or 21 reasons, or 12 reasons why I don't go to sporting events. I'm, I'm through. I can't remember all of them. But here are some reasons why you should never go to a sporting event. One, one, they always ask for money. Amen. <laughs> or maybe this is the reason why you shouldn't go to church. Uh, or uh, uh, the game went into overtime and I got home late. Yeah, we had people at the altar getting saved and it caused them to get out of church late. Hmm. Them seats are just way too hard. And it's just way too crowded. And the people on my row were hypocrites. Come on. <laughs> How come we can all don't use the same reasons to skip unspiritual things as we do to skip spiritual things? How come we can be committed? Hey, man, I played football, and our coach expected us to run off season. Had to come in and lift weights. I didn't have to come in and lift weights every week. I had to come in and max because I was a farm boy, and I hauled hay all summer. But I still had to come in and max once a week. He expected commitment. He expected commitment. If I didn't show, you know what? If I missed a day of practice, I did not play that week. But when it comes to spiritual things, for some reason, we lack commitment. So the, my sermon tonight to you is to try and help every one of us to truly be more committed to the things of the Lord. This, you know, realize something. 100 years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is what we did for God. Everybody in this room, the only thing, I'm going to say probably 20 years from now, many of us may not still be here. And the only thing that's going to matter, God's not going to ask you how many home runs you hit, or how many touchdowns you ran, how, 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 many, how many points you scored, how much money you made. But how many souls did you see saved? How, how, how much did you grow in the Lord? How close was you to him? How many people did you influence with your spiritual walk? Those are the things that's going to matter right. in eternity right. sake and many others. Right. So I'm challenging you tonight. Would you come to an old-fashioned altar and in some area of your life where you're not as committed to the Lord, would you come to the Lord and make some promises you can keep? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask Miss Stacy to come and pray, play. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for loving me. Dear God, thank you so much for dying on the cross for me. Lord, I pray that the man...